tell your friends, you know, let everybody know in your circle that you're single because you just never know when you don't put it out there. They don't know that you're single or they don't know that you're looking. And so, you know, you, they can be your matchmakers as well, but there's a lot of different avenues for them to meet somebody. I think you first just got to, you know, put yourself out there, you know, be open to the possibilities. Welcome to the Asian Dating Podcast. I'm your host, May Bugenhagen. I run a boutique matchmaking company based out of Los Angeles, but men are all over the U.S. who want to meet Asian women all over the U.S. They contact me and I work with men who are the paying clients and the women join my database for free. So if you're listening out there, I would love for you to join my database so I can set you up, have a way of finding you. And all the guys that sign up with me are great successful, accomplished men in their field. Today, I have a special guest, Jennifer Hayes. She is a certified matchmaker and relationship expert with over 25 years in the industry, which I don't even know why she looks so young, driven by the motto, love big and live big. She guides clients toward lasting love while being a driving force behind South Carolina matchmakers, ensuring the tools for passionate lifelong connections. Beyond her professional role, Jennifer's philanthropic involvement with the Heart Association for over 20 years and her dedication as an author further highlight her commitment to genuine and fulfilling love. Welcome to the show, Jennifer. How are you? I'm doing good. How are you? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. So you are the matchmaker in South Carolina. seems like you have multiple locations out there and you've been doing this for a while. So what are some things about South Carolina that you can share with us? What are some of the highlights of that state? Oh, goodness. Well, Charleston, for one, is beautiful where we have one of our locations it's just, um, there's a lot of transplants there, you know, from other all over. And so I think the diversity there makes it beautiful. And also just, just the history, the history, you know, uh, I'm sure there's some good and bad, but the history is beautiful. You know, when you walk downtown and the the streets and just, uh, I I love it. I I love, I love it. It's beautiful. That's awesome. I just got back from North Carolina. So if South Carolina is anything like North Carolina, man, I would sure love to visit it soon. So, um, but yeah, today we're going to talk a little bit about uh, your clients who you specialize in. You work a lot with widowed clients in the matchmaking and the date coaching world. Yes. So tell me a little bit about the people coming to you and what they really need help with right off the bat. Um, you know, again, we, we have clients that, that have all different backgrounds, but the majority of our clients have been widowed. And, um, I think that they, they come to us because they, they just don't know where to start. You know, they just don't know where to start after being married for so many years. Where do I go? Like, this is very foreign to me. And so that's what we hear from a lot of people. Also with the safety factor, you know, as a matchmaker that a lot of people are just really are are worried and they're leery about trying it on their own, you know, using other avenues. And so they're, they're coming here for, I think, guidance, you know, guidance on how, how do I do this? You know, where do I start? You know, <laughs> cause they feel like, you know, if I, I was married for 36 years, um, the dating industry has changed or they feel like the dating industry has changed. And so how do I approach this? 
yeah, it seems like after they've been married for so long, they're just wondering like, okay, I do want to find another special someone in my life, but how do we navigate the modern dating landscape and find someone? Like, what are some of the challenges? Are they still doing online dating or do they prefer matchmaking or going? Well, if, if, like, if yeah. they come to us, I'm sorry, if they come to us, then they're, they're looking for a matchmaker. They don't want to do online dating or, or maybe they've tried online dating. I do have a lot of clients that have tried online dating and it didn't work or some people were scammed. There's just different reasons. But once they get to us, they've either tried it or they or, or they're looking for a different way. You know, they're looking for a different way, a different avenue to meet somebody. So do you give them special guidance on safety? Like what what are some tips you can give somebody on protecting themselves? Well, I mean, one of the biggest things is with us, you know, we do background screenings with our company. So we can assure them that the person that they're going out with, we have met with them in person. We, we have screened them. We make sure that, you know, they are who they say they are. Um, because a lot of times people are getting um, catfished online um, where somebody's, you know, picture is not who they say they are, but they believe it because, you know, catfishing has gotten so, it's gotten so advanced and, you know, people send in these pictures or they even talk on videos and they think it's that person, but it's not. And so what, you know, one of the biggest things is just making them feel secure about the dating process, you know, coming in, letting them know that we are different, we are different and how we're different and how we're going to make sure that, you know, that they are safe. And so I think that is like the biggest thing is just assuring them that this is a different way. And I'm not saying that online dating doesn't work because it works for a lot of people, but with us, it's just a different process to assure your safety. So that's kind of like the first step. Yeah. I feel like the background checks can really put someone at ease when they're new to this. They already are a little bit uh, nervous about dating, but with that extra layer of security, I would imagine that would make a lot of the women feel better that you guys are background checking the men for them prior to them going out. So that's good. Yeah. Right. And, and, and not just, and, and also with the men too, is a lot of times they feel like somebody sees widowed on a profile, you know, what's their perception of who I am? You know, like, do they think I have money? Do you know, they, so men are just as concerned as women, you know, they're worried about being taken advantage of. They're also worried about, out. Uh, another good, you know, a thing that we offer is coaching. And, and, and that's where I come in is, is sometimes they're worried about jumping into a relationship too soon, you know, and needing a little bit of guidance or, you know, a third party to kind of see like, is this, you know, does this feel right? Does this look right? This relationship look right? Because they, they, they were married for so many years and they're missing their spouse and they're wanting, you know, they're wanting that again. And they're worried about jumping into something too soon that might not be right for them. What are some signs that someone is jumping into a relationship too soon after their spouse passed away? Like, when do they know or can feel like, okay, getting into an exclusive relationship feels right? Like, what are some ways that you can um, let the audience know what is right and when is it okay? I know it's different for everybody, but do you have like some yellow flags or red flags or green flags for them to follow? Uh, I would think that they're just, they're normal. Just like if you, if, even if you weren't widowed that, you know, green flags would be, you know, somebody 
if you're dating somebody and they're showing you that they're into you, they're showing you, you know, they're calling you, they're, they're being a, you know, a man of their word. If he says he's going to call, he calls, you know, um, that you're not the only one that's an active participant in this. You're not the only one that's calling. You're not the only one that's texting the other person. Um, and then I think, you know, red flags would be, would be, you know, the same thing is that somebody that, that doesn't, you know, doesn't pick up the phone and call you that you always have to go out of your way to plan things, you know, in the dating, I think in the dating world, it doesn't, it doesn't matter if they're widowed or if they were divorced or whatever they are that green and, you know, green and red flags are kind of the same. Now, as far as the widow feeling like, am I ready to date? I think that they're going to go through a lot of the different emotions when it comes to that. And I think that if they feel comfortable with this person, if they feel like they're, you know, they, they're excited and they want to be with this person, that that kind of lets them know they have to trust themselves and trust their intuition to know whether to move forward with the relationship. I don't know if that's answering your question. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just trying to picture, um, you know, like a friend who's widowed and, you know, it could be mourning a long marriage, like coming out of a divorce, you know, that's, is there a difference with the people? Like, are they more skeptical or more positive if they've had a great marriage and then their spouse pass away? Are they more optimistic, you know, versus somebody uh, who comes out of a divorce, nasty divorce, they're more skeptical. Like, do you notice the difference in the type of clients and how they act when they come uh, back absolutely and, and I think that that depends on the person you know every person's different uh, but I do I do think that somebody that had a marriage for 36 years uh, and it was a good marriage that they are wanting to do it again because they know what it feels like to have a good marriage they know you know they, they know that feeling and, and so many times they say I, I want that I want that again you know, and I'm like, what a better affirmation, you know, to your husband or, or your late wife than to say that what we had was so amazing that I want to do this again, you know? And I think that it just takes time for them to, you know, I feel like, you know, when they get to us, a lot of times they're at that point, they've already grieved, they've already gone through the process. A lot of them have had counseling. And so they're ready to take the next step because they've done the work you know, although you do get some people that haven't, they've kind of just jumped into this, you know, it's been five months and I'm lonely and where do I go? And they just kind of jump into this, but that's where the coaching comes in, you know, and that's where we go through certain steps to make sure they, they feel good about where they're at in the process, you know, that they kind of acknowledge their emotions. And, you know, I always say, take small steps, you know, take small steps to feel, you know, to see if this feels good for you. Because if it doesn't, then we stop, you know, we stop and we, we heal or we go through whatever we need to go through before we continue. Yeah. Yeah. So what if my late spouse was my best friend and confidant? How can I ensure that I'm emotionally ready to open up to someone new and potentially create a deep connection? Um, I think you have to prioritize prioritize what you want first, you know, and give yourself, like I said, time to grieve that that's important. Give yourself time to grieve and just make sure that you're emotionally ready. You know, I think it's, it's all part of the process, you know, get with a, a coach, get it. If you can't find a coach, you know, maybe you need to go see a grief counselor, but I think that those are important, 
you know, important steps that you need to take before you move forward. Yeah. Um, do you find that sometimes people who come to you just should not be dating yet that aren't ready to date? Like, do you <laughs> tell them, Hey, you know what? Let's just slow down a little bit. Like, do you say, you know what, we're not going to match make you now, but let's, let's talk first and see where you're at. Like, do you ever have clients that come in and you feel like, dude, you're not ready right now? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And that's, you know, I have a lot of clients that come in and say, tell me that they're not ready. Like, I, I want to do this, you know, but I need, I need to go through coaching or I need a few, few sessions with you, Jennifer, before I'm ready to get out there because, you know, they have, maybe they're bringing in some bad habits, you know, that they had in past relationships and they want to learn how to change that. Like, how do I change that? in order to move forward so that I am successful when it comes to, you know, dating or finding that person. Yeah. I remember me day coaching people and making sure that, Hey, you don't want to compare your current girlfriend with your previous wife or previous girlfriend. Don't take her to the same locations for dinner that would bring (laughs) memories of you know, your previous relationships or your previous marriage or previous spouse, like what are some other tips that you would advise the singles who are widowed to do instead of, do you know what I mean? Like, are there some tips that you have for them that can help them not compare their previous spouse to the person in front of them? I think focus on, on your date. You know, that's what I always tell them is the one thing I want you to do is I want you to go out on this date and I want you to have fun. And I, and I know, you know, you're, you've got a lot of thoughts going on and you're thinking about your lace spouse and everything else, but I, I always advise them not to really talk about them so much because that's the biggest thing is you don't really know how somebody's kind of perceive that. And so when I get, cause I get feedback, you know, when I get feedback, sometimes I'll get feedback that, Oh, this person, all they did was talk about their late spouse. So it's telling, it's telling that other person, they're not, they're not over them when that doesn't really mean that they're not over them. It just means this is a new, this is new territory for them. Like, I don't know what to talk about. So a lot of times we'll do like, we'll do role playing and pretending like, you know, they're on a date so that they can ask me questions and, and get comfortable with asking those questions because sometimes they don't know what to say or where to go. You know, they, this, uh, they had a spouse for 36 years. This is what we talked about. You know, this is what we talked about. And, and it was easy with this person. So role-playing is really helpful, you know, and that's where I said, you know, where a coach comes in so we can role-play and, um, you know, and I do, I do send them different, you know, tips and different things on not to do, but everybody is their own person. And so I can only advise them, <laughs> as you know, <laughs> doesn't always go that way. So, you know how, like when we're helping clients in their twenties or thirties, and we wish the men were better at communication, are men right. better communicators as they get older, or are they just more shut down? Like what, what are you, some of your thoughts? Like, do older I, I don't know if they're communicating. I think that they think I'm sorry, I keep talking to you. I think that communication's different. Um, and I think that just because they can communicate doesn't mean that it's better. A lot a lot of the feedback that I get on dates are he didn't allow me to talk. He talked about himself the entire time. So that's the difference is 
you know, knowing when to balance that. And that that's one of the things that we work, we work on in coaching is, you know, if a client, if I'm getting feedback from other clients that this client doesn't allow them to even, you know, didn't ask about anything about me, it's, you know, showing them that they didn't really care. Then I, you know, would talk to him and, and try to get him to, to see that it has to be a two-way conversation. You know, you ask a question and you be quiet and you let her answer. It's not just, you fill the whole, you know, hour with you talking and telling her all of your accolades and everything about yourself. <laughs> so with your widowed uh, clients, are they, what are their biggest challenges with what's going on in the dating world now? Because if they were married for 20, 30, 40 years, what are some of the things that shock them when they come out and date? Well, I'm trying to think some of the things that shock them. I think some of the biggest challenges is just really knowing where to meet people or what to do. And I think that they have a fear that because they haven't dated in so many years, that it's going to be different. It's going to be so different. Like dating is going to be this, you know, magical thing. And, and what I try to tell them is that the people that you're dating <laughs> more than likely haven't dated in a while, you know, so they're, you're in the same kind of age group and it's still the, it's still the same, even though we have online dating and we have all these different avenues, dating itself hasn't really changed. You still, you still, you know, other than like the different things that you might do on a date, you know, I, I advise my clients to be more active on a date than just sitting down and having dinner and talking. Cause I feel like you get to know a person better and, and you don't feel as, you know, you're not as what, what's the word I'm looking for. You're not as worried on the date. If you're, you know, staring into their eyes and worried about what they're going to say and worried about the silence and all of that. So I, I, that's, I think the biggest thing is they're just worried about what to do, you know? Do you find that your widowed clients prefer to date and meet another widower or not really? It, it depends. I, I would say it's about 50%, you know? Uh, I, would, I would say that a lot of the men probably don't care, mm -hmm. you know? But a, a lot, sometimes the women would prefer somebody that understands. And I think it's, it's where they're at in the process. If this is very new to them and they're maybe a little apprehensive about moving forward with the dating, I feel like that's when they, they, they want to date somebody that has a similar background or, you know, was widowed as well because they understand. So let's say a woman who's maybe in her seventies is now dating again and her late husband passed, but now she mm -hmm. has, you know, all the wealth, like she has all the assets and she makes a good, you know, she has a good income now and can travel and do all the fun things. Like, is she more likely to want to pair up with a guy who also has the same amount of assets? Do you know what I mean? Like, is the money absolutely an issue with the uh, widowed clients, men or women? Absolutely. Absolutely. They want somebody that, yeah, that can bring to the table what they can, you know, and they want somebody usually that's financially stable, especially if, if they're, they are financially stable, they want, and then that's in whether they're widowed or not, you know, most people want somebody that can kind of match them financially. Yeah. Do your clients, your widowed clients who come to you, what percentage of them are open to getting married again, would you say? say 60% of them are open to getting married, you know? Um, and usually if they're not open to getting married, it's because of financial reasons, 
you know, that they would, if they got remarried, they would, their children would lose, you know, their inheritance or, or worried about that. That's usually the biggest concern. Right, right. I could totally see that being a concern. Mm -hmm. So, okay. So let's say uh, the idea of starting a new relationship feels exciting and scary at the same time. How would someone manage these conflicting emotions and build the confidence to put themselves out there again? I think you need to be really, really clear on your communication, you know, with, with your partner. And I think seek, seek somebody that really aligns with your values. You know, that that's super important. Somebody that aligns with your values, because then it'll be easier for you to gain that confidence. Does, does that make sense? You know, gain that confidence with that person. So don't just go after like the hot guy or the hot <laughs> woman, like just, you still have to like take those other things into consideration. Um, so absolutely. And, and that's where I think, you know, if, if you're having, if you're worried about doing it, then that's where you would hire a matchmaker or, you know, or, or try a different Avenue. If, if you're, if your confidence isn't where you need it to be and also take things slow, you know, it's, I don't think that there's one, you know, black it's, it's dating is not black or white. There's not one rule for everybody. I think, you know, take your time with dating and see if it feels right to you. And if it doesn't, then, you know, you, you try something different, but just, you know, so let's say there's a, a person who is maybe like in their 50s or 60s or 70s and mm -hmm. they want to date again, but how do they word it on their profile that they're still sexually active or they prefer that they're not sexually active? Like, do those things come into play when, you know, they're trying to write their profiles and to let them let you guys know who they're looking for? I'll be honest with you. We don't put that on the profile. We would never put that on the profile. But, you know, when as a matchmaker, we're working with the client. We know what their needs are, like what they're not looking for. And so we would never match them with a the person that's not on the same page with that, if that makes sense. Now, and then that's different because with online dating, it is harder. Like, how do you how do you filter that? How do, how do you let a person know that? And, you know, with us, it's different because we do work, you know, closely with our clients. So we're able, you know, we know everything about them. And that's something that comes up in the conversation when we're, you know, in the first meeting, usually, and they let us know right away, especially if it's important to them. So what would they say, for example, how would they let you know what's going on with their sex lives? Well, most clients are pretty, pretty frank with us and say that I want somebody that's active. I might be 70 years old, but I still, <laughs> I still enjoy, you know, sex or making love. And so I want to make sure that she's active. And, you know, those are some of the, the same question that you're asking is a lot of the questions that we get, you know, they want to know, well, how will, how will this, you know, I'm still active at 80 years old. Right. <laughs> and so we, we, we let them know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I so mean, we let them know that again, we, <laughs> we, we meet with them. We know their background. We know their goals. We know what they want, what they don't want. And we're not going to match you with somebody that's not on the same page. Yeah. Yeah. I don't work with a and, lot and of clients that are, you know, over 70, but I have, and the uh -huh. men would say, yes, I'm still very sexually active. I want someone affectionate. I'm sensual. Mm -hmm. Like those are some words that they put in their profile that you can kind of, right. um, 
but I also read profiles online because I also do online dating for some of the clients. And right. if a guy or a girl, a woman or a man put on their profile that they're looking for companionship, does that in your mind make it sound like that they're not looking for someone sexual? Like if they just say, I'm looking for a companionship or do you not think that? I was just curious. I would probably think that if, if I saw that he was just looking for a companion, that more than, depending on their age, I think it depends on who says it, more than likely probably just looking for a friend, right. you know? So I, I think that it's important to put it that you are, you know, that you, like you said, I, I, I'm very sensual and I, you know, love intimacy or whatever, if, if you're doing online dating. So if you're not looking for that, just say you're looking for companionship. I mean, what? <laughs> I think that that's probably a conversation. And I know, again, you you don't want to, you know, you, you're trying to filter out, like it's a filtering process. But I think that that's a conversation that should be done one-on-one. -on -one. And what I always tell my clients is that when you feel comfortable in that relationship, when it feels right, that's when the conversation, when you feel vulnerable enough to open that conversation up, that's when you talk about it. Because there's a lot of times, um, you know, with clients that haven't dated in years, they feel like, oh gosh, I couldn't possibly think about having sex with somebody else. You know, I haven't done it in so long. But once they get to know somebody and once they start opening up and they feel really secure and they trust that person, their, their mind changes. So I don't really think that it's something that needs to be put out there right up front. You know, I think that that's something that can happen over time. You know, it, now it's different if there's, you know, an issue or a problem where they can't have sex, um, then that's something that they might need to know up front. But I, I think, you know, when it comes to sex is, you know, we're selling love and, and, and yes, you know, people are still sexually active, but that is something that comes after you get to know somebody. And like I said, they feel comfortable and they trust the relationship. And then it goes on from there, but I don't think it's something that needs to be done right away. Yeah. Um, do your clients majority just want to date in South Carolina? Like they're not really looking for a long distance relationship or anything like that? Correct. Most, um, the majority of my clients, I would probably say 90% are looking for local. They're not looking to, um, to date outside of South Carolina. Is it because of their age and they just don't want to travel that much or drive somewhere far? Do you know what I mean? Like, is it just they're more comfortable in South Carolina? They know they don't want to relocate. So, right. And like you said, just the driving, you know, we do, you know, we have offices, like I said, from Hilton Head to Columbia. So we do have clients that are open to driving two hours or driving an hour. But I think that most people, and depending on their age, again, you know, they're kind of settled there and they want to date somebody that's closer. You know, if they, if they want, they want to see somebody every day, they want to do activities with that person, you know, and so it's important to them that they are closer. So what tips do you have for the widowed singles out there that want to get back into dating, but they're not looking to hire a matchmaker. I would say that there's a lot of different avenues. There's meetup groups. If you enjoy pickleball, you know, uh, join a pickleball club. There's so many different ways to meet people. I always, you know, you can go to a store. I, I always tell my clients, we do a little game where 
if you're, I always say like, Sally, if you're going to Home Depot this weekend, I want you to make eye contact <laughs> and say hello to any man that's not wearing a wedding ring. You know, you just never know where you're going to meet that person. There's meetup groups, there's, um, you know, there's a lot of singles, you know, clubs they have in the area. There's, you know, online dating and, you know, with online dating, I would just tell them to be safe, you know, make sure the same type of screening that we're doing, you can do as well. You know, you can do that on your own. You can be your own matchmaker. So make sure that you're screening people, um, that you're not giving out too much information, you know, up front, but there's a lot of different avenues. Tell your friends, you know, let everybody know in your circle that you're single because you just never know, you know, when you don't put it out there, they don't know that you're single or they don't know that you're looking. And so, you know, you, they can be your matchmakers as well, but there's a lot of different avenues for them to meet somebody. I think you first just got to, you know, put yourself out there, you know, be open to the possibilities. Do you think being a matchmaker for 25 years now, and you're thinking, gosh, if I were ever single again, or <laughs> talking to your younger self 25 years ago, do you think you would be a better dater now knowing what you know? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, because I, <laughs> you don't know what you don't know. Right. And so I've learned so much over the years, just, uh, you know, one of the biggest thing is, is, is I know when I, prior to getting married is I had this list, you know, this long list of what I wanted and I was just, you know, not willing to, to veer from that list. And when I ended up getting the person that I married my husband now, well, he didn't have most of the qualities that were on that list. He was, you know, so I would just say, be open and allow yourself to go beyond that. Because a lot of times we put these limitations on who we want and you just never know who your person's going to be. You know, I, I totally agree with that, Jennifer. I mean, even some of my clients that I've worked with, I mean, I've been doing this for about 14 years now and mm -hmm. I still keep in touch with a lot of them and they would come back to me and say, Hey, I got married or I'm engaged. I'm like, Oh, how'd you meet this person? Tell me about them and send me a photo. And it's completely different <laughs> from the people we were searching for when we did work together. So it's like, you just never know who you're going to end up with. And I, yeah, it's so different, but, um, what is one date advice that you used to give maybe 25 years ago or 10 years ago that you have tweaked a little bit now or don't believe in? Is there like a tip that you think, gosh, I, I don't know why I was telling people that, but now I believe this. <laughs> That's a good question. Uh, it would probably be the list. You know, I, I firmly believe that you have the right and you do, you know, that you can get what you want and you shouldn't have to, you know, veer from that and you don't have to budge. But I've learned over the years that you have to be open. You just have to be open because you just never know. I think, yes, you, you do have your list of, of what you really, really want, but you have to, there's things that are non-negotiable and then there's things that are. And I think a lot of times I was putting the height or things that were very non-negotiable. They weren't my must-haves. You know, they weren't the things that I could, you know, live without, you know, I, and so that, that's what's changed over the years is, is I, I, I tell people to just be open because you never know, like, okay, you go out on the date and what if it's horrible, but what if it's amazing? You know, what if it's amazing? And so just getting them open to be more open and receptive to different things. 
Yeah. I think my, uh, my tip would also be that I used to be pretty strict with helping my clients meet all of their needs and all of their uh, wants on the list. But now I'm saying, give me your list and I'm only going to find a man or a woman 80% of that list. So care what you tell me, if you give me 10 things, she, she, or he might just have eight of those things and you're going to meet them. Like that's just, you just have to be open. (laughs) Maybe 80% is actually kind of high. Like maybe it should be 60%. You know, it's like, have we really thought about that as a single person out there that yes, there are so many negotiables on things. Like I used to be like, this was so dumb when I was dating in my (laughs) twenties that a guy had to like dress nice. It's like, who cares? Like if he doesn't dress nice, once we get together, I can help him dress. Like he just probably had no idea how to dress. So it's like almost being more um, forgiving with some of those things, right? Right. Um, Yeah, just, I mean, I've been with my husband for about 16 years now. We've been married for six. And um, yeah, he definitely was not someone I thought I would end up with. He probably barely meets 30% of my list. (laughs) you know, but we get along great. And, you know, we have a great life together. But it's like, all those things like the women out there who I work with who want to have kids. Man, if you're like 33 and under like, yes, you should focus on finding a partner. But if you're 34 and older, it's like, don't be so picky doesn't matter if he's two inches shorter than what you want doesn't matter that he lives a little bit further than what you'd like it's like all those things are negotiable right all those things are not absolutely yeah absolutely and you know one of the things that I do with my clients is I tell them to to make their list and then what I have them do is I have them give me the top five non-negotiables these are the things that you absolutely will not budge on And then they, they realize once they do that, that it's, you know, somebody that's, you know, once a family, somebody that has the same values as me and it's more of what they need instead of what they want. And that's what I learned too, with my marriage is my husband, he was the things that I really needed, not the things that I wanted, things that I needed in order for our relationship to thrive, for, for me to be whole, you know, feeling a sense of security, you know, feeling like he, you know, feeling at home with him. So I love it. I love it. Well, Jennifer, tell um, the audience, um, how would they find you and what is your ideal client? Like who do you want to work with? I want to work with everybody. You know, I, well, like I said, I've been doing this a long time. So I have to work with so many people, different backgrounds, different financial levels, uh, you know, relationship status. Um, if you want to reach out to me, you can uh, go to SouthCarolinaMatchmakers.com. Uh, if you're in the South Carolina matchmakers area, if you're not in that area and you'd like to do coaching, you can just go to jenniferjhayes.com. And I'm on all social media platforms, you know, LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, you can find me anywhere. <laughs> so, okay. Okay. I will for sure put all that in your show notes, in the show notes thank as you. well. So, well, Jennifer, thank you so much for taking the time to be on this week's episode of the Asian Dating Podcast. I really appreciate it. All the tips you gave us can be applied to Asians, non-Asians, I'm sure. So uh, thank you so much. And for you out there, if you're looking to hire a matchmaker, looking to meet lovely Asian women, 
women, men, I would love to work with you. And ladies, please, please, please fill out a profile with me so I can find you and set you up with someone great. Who knows? It might be someone in South Carolina. You never know. So uh, thank, <laughs> thank you, you so for much. Having me. Okay. Bye, everybody. Bye.